Hello and welcome to another episode of The Selfish Podcast. Today's guest is Steve Hughes, who many of you will already know. Maybe some of you won't, so I'm happy to introduce him to you. So, hi Steve, welcome. Can you just share with the audience, where in the world are you? I'm in uh, Manchester in the United Kingdom, the glorious city of Manchester. Glorious city <laughs> what, used, what used to be quite glorious city when I lived here. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, I'm over here in Spain, so it's beautiful we can connect in this time and make use of t- technology rather than technology using us. And what I'd like to know with my guests, I'd like to get them to know more personally and with the audience so we can sort of just get a better inner standing. Can you paint me a picture of what your childhood was like, say, pre-10 years old? Uh, I'll tell you what, before we even begin, looking at where you're sitting, I'm so fucking jealous <laughs> if i was just there i'd just be i just feel better than i do right now my slight headache would go i could wander around the sun i could sit on that bench there lay on the grass just lie on the dirt in the sun just like a dog yeah i was just thinking of my dog he just and you, I, you see the agility they have from rest to just action is in a second that's what we all want <laughs> there's something I there's something I learned when I used to go to festivals where you you can see this program in yourself. After about two days in the bush, and I haven't showered or anything, that's when I, that's when you realise that you can really you don't have to be careful when you sit down on the dirt. You can actually just lay in the dirt. Yeah, you know I mean just. And I love getting to that zone where I just, just lay in the dirt like a rock <laughs> with the sun on me. Uh. I, had to, I had to train myself back into it. I had to sort of uncondition myself, should I say. I was to go and sit on the floor. It was so sort of taboo. And it was like, like you say, dirt. I was like, no, it's earth. This is clean. This is probably the cleanest thing I will be near all day. <laughs> when I say dirt, I don't yeah. even mean dirt. It's like, yeah, nothing's going to get you there. It's like, like, that was pretty handy for me growing up in the bush, I guess. Suburbia in the bush, not the complete bush, but like you could get into the bush. So whereabouts did you grow up? You clearly got an Australian accent. Whereabouts in Australia? <clears throat> Blue Mountains, which is about 100 kilometres outside of Sydney. So if you've never been to Australia, you've all seen a picture of the Harbour Bridge Opera House bit. So when you've got that bit, there's Sydney. So if you go west, then you hit suburbia like you don't have in Europe, that you have in Canada and the United States, probably South Africa, that sort of 100 kilometres of suburbia. Would that be, my, my, from my childhood, the only, uh, the only things that were, say, Australian influence was Crocodile Dundee and Neighbours. Yeah. So well, would so that you, be where <laughs> Neighbours was sort of that suburbia? Those Neighbours, those Neighbours, uh, and, and Neighbours was a middle class bit. Right, so, but see, working class is not the same the degradation in Australia and that as it is in Europe, in Britain especially. Although we have them, mm. right? But some of these, but, but you're out in the western suburbs, right? right? So, so you've got these hundred kilometres of suburbs, cul-de-sacs. That's where you basically families and working class would exist and yeah, who's out there plumbers people who did used to do practical jobs when we had a practical job world yeah. and so when you go up through there you get to the you get to this river and then you hit this 
the Blue Mountains, you hit this mountain range, which you go up. So I'd live in there. I lived at the top, the beginning of this mountains. So so it's kind of, you've hit bush as well now. So we were kind of living in neighbory looking neighbours looking a bit more rural, but neighbours looking environments, but we could get on bikes and hit the bush. Oh, nice. Right. So, so we used to go camping down these huge gorges and stuff and, it was like a prehistoric world, but you could see a train through in the cutting. Hmm. And if we just walked, if climbed up this gorge, we just sort of in suburbia. But when we went down the gorge, it was like no one existed. So it was kind of, it's, and you took it for granted because you just grew up there. But, but I really, uh, getting to the point was getting, that's where you, I, I, I don't have a fear of dirt and germs because I went camping and sleeping and I realised how healthy it made you and just I had this Australian chick who used to work on a comedy club door in uh, London she goes to me once she goes do you ever get sick when you go overseas I went no she goes neither do I she goes all my English friends seem to get sick <laughs> And I think because sometimes I used to meet English people, they go, oh, I hate camping. I thought, of course you do, because you've never been camping. Right? You went to a campsite run by a whingy couple, and it got soggy, and then you walked into the village and went to the pub at night. And then you walked back to your tent and thought that was camping. It's not fucking camping. Camping is hitting the bush. You know, we used to we used to like to go sort of when we were young. You know, obviously influenced by cowboy films and whatnot, and just like to go warrior and just not take. You have to take knives and open tins and cook on sticks. And we even got so ferons. We ate a lizard once. We this guy. That was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What just just tasted bad or? Oh no, we got fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know. We thought we'd play Aboriginal, but, you know, there's more delivered in the bush than, you know, if you want to just start eating lizards and things. And it wasn't even big, you know. It's like this thing. And then we, you know, we ate a bit. We weren't that brave, but that was enough. But both yeah. of us, like Wonder two what in the morning, <laughs> to just be spewing up God knows what for the next. <laughs> but it's good for you, you know. So, so yeah, I am envious of where you are now. Look at it. Look how quiet and nice it is. Nature just sitting there. Thing. Yeah, just no, it's, it's just yeah, I'd say stillness, but there's so much activity when you pay attention. The birds, the insects. The, that's what I love about the life of the, the bush itself. <laughs> that's, that's what I used to. That's why I love that juxtaposition you get in nature. Sometimes you know it can be it's still and quiet, but you also realise, but it's all going on. Yeah, it's like the most active place. That's why for me, it's like someone says, "Do you get lonely?" And I'm like, I'm surrounded by life all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, well, what, was, what was school like for you when you was a kid oh well you got back to the original question what was my life like well as we discussed before it was let's go straight to the point it's very dysfunctional divorce uh abusive female figures uh not masculine male figures no hardcore sexual abuse or anything you know, but uh and no having to deal with alcoholics either that was a handy in hindsight i could think about it as much as dysfunctional as my childhood was at least it was i realized in hindsight there was no alcoholics there and there was no mentally ill in the sense of 
what's called mentally ill. I don't particularly believe in mental illness, but but you know what I mean. So in one sense, it was it was it was, it was good in that sense, really. In hindsight, yeah, as you get older, you realise that some of the things you didn't have to experience were pretty fucking good. But you know. To, uh, you know, that kind of dysfunctionality turned me into a decent artist. <laughs> <laughs> and school, well, I didn't like it. As we were discussing before, as the show started, this just sort of things that I just realised this is not, you know, I wasn't that good at it. I didn't find uh, right brain thinking, science, maths, I couldn't do, you know, it's like my brain doesn't even work on that if you want me to, if you want me to write an album, or a comedy show, I could go, yeah, all right. And they go, attach this file to an email and send it. My brain was just goes, oh, <laughs> not interesting, right? Maybe it's not healthy if you're that out of balance, but but yeah, I could go to school. I just couldn't wait to get out of there. Really, I just found it. You know, it was very. It was the seventies, so. And it's Australia, so it was very sport. You know, if you weren't good at sport, it was a fucking, it's a big deal. And I just wasn't good at sport and I wasn't good at school. And as we were, until uh, I was about 16 and I started to, when I saw Iron Maiden, I was getting into music before that. I had no idea what to do. It's almost like, oh my, because the idea of getting a job was like, because already a school was like boring. Like, why are they making me go? Why, why are you taking my whole childhood? Which is how I see it. So that's what, and then, then they give you the jobs. They train you for the jobs, don't they? Five days on, two days off. And then they take your whole childhood. And then they want to take your life and give you, give you money. Right? You're not. You're just still a slave. It was all slavery, wasn't it? It was all. Just funny. I saw this the other day in a video that you know the Walmart logo, yeah, which is the sun, which is a lot to do with the cultic stuff. It's also on the back of all the Walmart jackets, which I thought, you know, what that represents what you're still slaves with the sun on your back. So. <laughs> They're even telling you, right? <laughs> They've given you the logo on the shirt, you know. They didn't stop slavery. We know that. They just, I used to do a joke about it. And they go, you know, they probably looked at slaves and went, hmm, well, we've got to feed them. We've got to give them somewhere to sleep and we've got to do this. Why don't we just let them go and uh, tell them they're free? And then they, all right, you can go. And uh, we'll see you back here at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Because, you know, of course they didn't give that up. So, and as we were discussing, they wanted eight hours of my day, not including travel to get there or expenses to get there. And they wanted to give me a small amount of money, which I love the way they call it minimum wage. Well, they're not joking, are they? <laughs> they never called it maximum wage. <laughs> See, it's funny how everything's inverted and in reverse, isn't it? That that's they they tell you, but they programmed you to think that this is a protective mechanism against the system ripping you off. There's a minimum wage that they have to pay you. See how we're protecting you? But actually what we're doing is telling you it's a minimum wage and you're doing it anyway. So so you acquiesce because we've programmed you to think it's something else. And so in that sense, they're not doing anything to you. 
here's the great tricks of all these things they play on everybody, isn't it? That, that, that I think if they're working on the idea of natural law and whatever you put out comes back to you, then this this is for everybody. So then what they do is they trick you into absconding from the karma. Why? Because they didn't do anything to you. You did it. We told you. So now we didn't put anything out there. So we don't we don't get the repercussions. You get the repercussions. All right? Because we have to tell you what we're going to do to you. So you do it, not us. We're not doing anything to you. But we're not we're gonna we're not gonna make it obvious. We're gonna in any kind of the strongest survive psychologically, if you want to go into a satanic idea of what? Well, if you don't and no old Roman uh, sayings. The one that, well, if you if you don't know what's being done to you, it's not my problem. Why? Because we'll show you. It's almost like I saw this woman one day, and she was demanding, you know, the, the state can't stop her child from going to school. <clears throat> now, the state could suggest something. Well, it's not even the state anymore, but we use that terminology. That saying your child doesn't wear a mask, it can't go to the school. <clears throat> and you get up in your in arms about this. But see, the system already knows what the school is. It's a brainwashing centre. And if you don't know that, then I don't know why anybody's sending their kids to school. It's, it's now grooming them, creating unknown realities in them. It's a complete brainwashing centre. It's the, it's the place to make them into worker slaves. This is what it is. They know that. Now, they just threatened you that your child can't go there because you think it's something else. So they gave you an out. Yeah. Because <laughs> they just said, well, if you don't do this, then the child can't go to our slave program system. But because you don't know what's going on, then you stood up and demanded, I have the right. My child has the right. And no one can stop me. And then they go, fair enough. Yeah. Because you just demanded. You just demanded. Yeah, no, it was very similar to me growing up. I, I, when it comes to school, I really didn't resonate with school. The only thing I liked about school was the socialising with people, a few friends, you know, it was like, oh, that's a bit of a distraction from pains in home life. But the actual mm. lessons and the school, I never felt like I was getting anything that was worth any value, should I say. I never felt like I was getting anything that would take me anywhere, do anything. I could clearly see the steps and stages of where it could go, and I didn't want any of that. So I was like, that doesn't really inspire me to try hard i was always that the one that if i didn't try hard i at least passed so i was like i don't really need to put in more effort than that when all my friends are studying and revising i just couldn't see the point i was like why spend more time at home trying to get a better grade when i don't even want the grade anyway i'm only going because i'm told i have to and a little bit of pressure from like your father to to, to get a good grade and come home and he goes oh you done well son <laughs> you know and that's you've done what you should right. I started laughing then because it just triggered something in me when you said that. I just, I couldn't see any point. I, I, I don't know what, what do you want me to do with this information? <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's like when I was younger, a little bit, so you know a little bit about more about me, and I bring up what you said earlier about mental health, is my mum had mental health, as we would say, yeah, which I now see is she had a health issue. You know, it's all encompassing. It wasn't just a, a problem with her mind. No. Her physical body was a mess too. 
yeah, her purpose, her life. There's so many aspects that were con contributing the amount of poisoning she was consuming, stress and trauma in life. But she was diagnosed um, with severe schizophrenia and depression from when I was about five years old and she became a single mother, looked after me and my brother. And I say looked after in quotes, we became her carers. She, yeah, could, yeah, she yeah, couldn't yeah, we so. went yeah we went loads of time without food she was like the worst case that you would see on a film you know when you see in america someone pushing the trolley screaming and shouting and talking to themselves she was like that but she had two kids you know and we went in and out of that's that's fucking brutal yeah we went in and out of all different types of mental institutes and hospitals taking her there she could be there for a year and she'd be the worst case in there but that drove me from a very young age. From the very beginning, I was suicidal at about seven or eight years old. I couldn't handle the pain of life. I couldn't see the point of life. I was questioning life and questioning taking my own. And I, I, it was just painful. It also made me question religion because I came from a slightly Christian background and I prayed and cried and felt like I got no answers, watched others and analyzed. But it made me hyper aware. I became, man, of course, man, you know, as I said before, I, was, I, you know, I didn't know it was that extreme. And I was grateful I didn't have to deal with that or alcoholics because that's hardcore on kids, you know. Yeah, and it was a really bizarre experience. It made me really self-conscious. I was really paranoid in school that I'd be judged for it because everyone in my school would have known her because they would have seen her wandering the streets inappropriately dressed sometimes, screaming, shouting, having imaginary arguments, you know, or begging and all sorts of stuff at all different times of the day. So that gave me a lot of anxiety when I was a kid. And one thing you'll find this funny. I found this hilarious now that I look back is they gave me a social worker at one point when I was in middle school. So somewhere between the ages of sort of nine and 11. Um, and in our school, you have a few hundred people and the playground, the concrete playground uh, is on view from all the windows of all the classes. And the social worker would come in during class time, take me out of class, take me to the middle of that concrete playground to play on my own with him. Like we'd have to play a game or something. And I'm there going, everyone can see me. This is bizarre beyond belief. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I was already paranoid about this and stressed out. And now everybody is seeing this really weird thing. You know, so that, that I found was hilarious looking back. It's like, who right. thought it, that's a good idea? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, having to experience things like this, as we were talking before the show started, it kind of wakes you up to things, doesn't it? I mean, there is those there is those ideas that come down the line of some people that go, "Well, you know, you chose your life. Did you? Did you? You know, you chose the parents. You chose the, it's a stream of thought that maybe maybe karmically the soul just comes back to. Well, you're gonna you're gonna get kickstarted from the word go, <laughs> <laughs> right? So. Yeah, you know, yeah like I say, if I told they, they run they run around with parents who love them, and they're, they're going on bike rides and run around and getting a horse for their birthday and stuff. Yeah, well, I, I had a give. I had a good duality. My father was um, saw me nearly every weekend. We hid everything about my mother as much as possible for him because we didn't want to hurt him. We, me and my brother, he's a couple of years older, were well aware at the time that sharing this could either hurt my mother or hurt our father. So we just didn't talk about it. Um, nor did we want to talk about it on the weekends, but he would take us camping. And I found out later he really tried to get custody of us. But even though my mum was diagnosed with severe mental illness, because she was a female, she got custody. He just could not get it at that time, especially in England, no matter what. Um, so that I find interesting. And But he would take See, us camping. That is interesting. And what year would that be? Oh, early 90s. 
fuck, see? How did my father get custody of me and my brother in 1974 or something? Yeah, I was speaking to someone from Japan and she was saying it's traditional that the father gets custody. It's hard for a woman. She got, she got custody from her father and she was abused by her father and uncle and he still got custody. Um, but she goes, that's the tradition is the male has a different hierarchy. That's old feudal Japanese stuff, I guess, you know. I'm yeah. not well versed on their culture, but yeah, you can see it. Yeah, well that's just funny. They think there's a they think the patriarchy's outrageous here. <laughs> but no, that that was bizarre. But the camping trips I used to go on with my dad, and he was really poor. We always came from really bad poverty and then they like say minimum, minimum wage. <laughs> and but he would buy a cheap van, do the best with it, and just take us away, buy a can of beans on the way and some bread. And then we'd go park up somewhere like on a beach. He wouldn't pay for a campsite he couldn't afford it, nor did he want to. And we'd just park on a beach for a weekend somewhere and he'd just let us play, you know? And that to me, now I can look back and go, oh my God, if it weren't for that, that's why I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was that nature. Like, I mean, now yeah. it was that just being there, being away from everything, being yeah. actually released present. from the stress. Man. Yeah. And being present in actual, the real quality of the world which is yeah. abundant around us. I say to a lot yeah. of people, that it's really easy to see the, the bad things in life. Like I can go to a lake here and I'll see a pile of rubbish. Like just someone's just come along, had a party, bagged up their rubbish and then just chucked the rubbish inside of the bush. You know, it's like they've half done a job and then just chucked it. And someone says, doesn't that drive you mad? And I said, only if I'm distracted. I said, that little bag of rubbish, even if it's two or three, is insignificant to the vast beauty and amazement around me. And I said, no, I'll just pick that up, chuck it in the bin. Ain't I lucky I get to do something good? Well, see, that's yeah. <laughs> that's good because I, you know, that's I understand because I can go both ways in that viewpoint where I just where that's my downfall. The uh is when I just get so I've always had this when I grew up in the bush, as I said too, we we'd go away. We used to take it out probably when we were young, we'd probably cause some chaos. But we soon learned that. Don't don't leave shit everywhere. You know, I used to hate it when I'd go to a cave or something. Someone had come along with a spray can and put Robbo was here. <laughs> and I'm like, which part of you thought you're in a sandstone rock? It looks glorious. Like, like which part of you thought, oh, I'll get the spray can. <laughs> I, I see it here, even in the middle of nowhere. Someone's managed to get here with a spray can. And I'm like, and they're not even good artists. I would be okay if I saw some really good art. Occasionally yeah, yeah. I do. Someone's done an amazing picture. And I'm like, oh, that's at least it's, there's a lot of effort gone into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then other oh, times, like good. you said, Steve was here 2020. And he's like, <laughs> thanks, Steve. <laughs> you, just, you, just, <laughs> you just made something beautiful. You know, it's beautiful, mate. That's, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, you know, you just... Yeah, I don't know how anyone could just walk away and there's just 12 empty Coke cans and a nappy and just... Yeah, the amount of nappies, that's the funny one. I find a lot of nappies and I'm like, who's changing their baby and just throwing their nappy to the bush? And they don't biodegrade, they don't even rot. They're pristine and you can see they're old. Which, which <laughs> to me, then we can go into the deeper, okay, what's, what's happening here? We could just say there's some irresponsible people. It's a lack of awareness. But yeah, but is if you was aware, you wouldn't do it. That's no, what I see. Part of, it's the part of me that just I used to get frustrated. Like, which part of you is not thinking that this is all yeah. right when you're looking at what's around you? I don't. 
Yeah, because and, and, and also, why are you so scared of your your own baby shit? Is is that what it is? Are you so programmed now that you're that disconnected from nature that what just put it in the car in the boot or something and get somewhere? And what what what, what are you yeah. scared of? Well, the, the the interesting thing here in Spain because I go to a lot of remote places, but even in the middle of nowhere, you find these giant trash cans, these giant bins with a lid on them, so the animals don't get into them and rip it open. But there's places to put your waste almost everywhere. I've noticed so much more than it was in England, you know. And everyone's allowed to use it. It's not like if you use a bin somewhere, someone goes, "Well, you don't live here. That's not your bin," yeah, which I've had in England. <laughs> it's like, no, that's that's not yours. <laughs> and um, and it's like. It's everywhere, and it will be within meters. Like I, everywhere I go, I just go around with a bag and just pick up waste and then put it in the bin because I can. So why not? And um, but I have to train myself not to be frustrated. I'm like I'm not going to give the privilege of my emotions, of my anger and frustration to nothing. They're, they're mine. Some someone who throws an nappy, they don't deserve to to do that to me. I know what you mean. I know what you mean uh, in that that idea. It's a, but you have to uncondition it. Because we've been conditioned to be the other way, but you know what? I think we also because I'm starting to listen more to this guy at the moment. Because I've, 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 I know these. What's the word we should use? I know what you're saying. I've read enough spiritual stuff and Buddhist stuff in the sense of okay, like, well, you know, I can take control of the reaction of the mind, and therefore I can become more peaceful by what by not letting these things from the outside world do anything to me. Right, so that would be the idea of the Buddhist monk training, isn't it? What any kind of you know, you go to one of these eleven-day meditations where you don't talk. What's that do? Well, to try and have all these programs come up so that you can not react and start to maybe burn them out of you. Right? But also, there is things like anger and hate, and they exist. So that's a part of me that's always, always gone on. Oh, am I just not? Am I failing at being a spiritual person or a good person? I because I, I I'm not overriding all these all the time. And I've started to look at it differently. And in the same way, they're always going like, you know, how to override negative emotions and get over negative emotions. And I thought, well, straight away, calling it negative, which it could be in the sense of if you want to have this dualism, right? right? You use the word negative just to name it. Okay, it's 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 not joy or this or something that's bringing it can be. But is it negative? Like is anger negative the way it is? Should be never dwelled upon or, or experienced or, or or pushed out there or, or hatred? But they're here. Yeah, they exist. How how I right, right, right. and we have them now. Of course, we both know that anger and hatred, when let loose in unevolved reactionary ways cause violence, damage, harm. But I think what we've got to do is, is evolve into understanding what these are for. They're for something. I don't yeah. think they're just to be overridden and gotten rid of. Yeah, I think everything has its place. Everything is a tool. Everything can have a use because, like you said, you already have it within you. So why do you have it within you? And I see anger because anger was an issue that I had for a long time. I had a lot of anger. Luckily, when I was young, I started, went to a boxing club. So I got to just unleash that anger and frustration on the bag. And I never got into actual physical competi competitive fights because I just wanted to hit the bags. And I'd hit the bags till I was bloody raw on my hands every day. And then I got really good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But, but that was also kept the sanity, you know, because it was somewhere, if I didn't release that anger, there was times when I was walking down the street when I was a teenager and I was like, if someone even looks me the wrong way, 
that's enough justification to just beat the hell out of them. Luckily, that never actually happened. No one luckily looked at me the wrong way. <laughs> but there was so much anger and frustration in me that it was just like that. And then that transformed into I used that anger and frustration to drive myself and what I call an internal dictator. At this internal dictator who used anger and frustration and pain to make to fuel my ambitions. And that became conditioned over time that, oh, my anger's good. This is good because this is the only way you would have got here is because you had this pain, you had this anger, you know, this is, this is what drives you. And that, that's where I think anger shouldn't exist internally in your self-talk. If anger's there, it's not the most productive yet in external world, in certain circumstances, if you use anger, it can change that circumstance the fastest. So if there's a drastic change needed, like my dog's just started barking at someone now, if I was to now shout at him and tell him to stop, he would stop. If I said, stop, stop, please stop. I love you. Stop. It's not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think anger has its uses in the external, but when we use it internally on ourselves, I think that's when it becomes unconstructive. And I don't like positive, negative. Everything to me is either constructive or deconstructive. And that's in harm harmony, symmetry. So I'm always looking to make things more symmetrical, more harmonized. And I found that certain actions, certain feelings, certain sensations are more constructive. Certain ones are deconstructive. But just like the earth, you need deconstruction, need construction. We briefly talked before about God and atheism and them sort of things. I was always a 99% atheist, but 1% of me could never say an absolute. I couldn't be an absolutist on anything. <laughs> so I couldn't say I'm absolute 100% atheist. 99%. 1% doesn't know. You know. I was always open to, uh, I can't possibly know. But how I view God now is everything generates, everything has an order, and everything then decays. Uh, and there's always that cycle in absolutely everything. You can't look anywhere and see something that's stagnant and not actually in motion that generated at oh, something yeah. that had an order and then decayed. You know, so and to me, it's just to try and live within that pattern and be uh, fulfilled. And for me, I don't, I don't belong to any religious group. You know, that's not my no, place. No, 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 that's not my place either. But no, but that I was would... never, I was never, I, I didn't grow up with God. My parents had a little uh, dallying with church for a while. And I went to Sunday school for a bit and stole the money from the collection thing when I took it. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I got ingrained like everybody else, where there's that, there's a bit of that fear of the story that they told you the hell and the so forth with love and punishment isn't it as well that's what got me when i was a child it's like i was trying to pray and ask for mercy and my nan was from ireland and she was quite religious but when she passed that just all disappeared um yeah. but it still gave me that foundation that i thought i should pray now that i'm suffering i should pray i should beg for forgiveness i should like maybe i've done something wrong you know and it's like maybe i'm being punished oh man well and you know, as a kid, it's like the, the, to have that mentality already. I can see how deconstructive that is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's you know, and and you do question these ridiculous stories that they told you when you were a kid. But obviously, it's the, the deeper the Bible or so forth, and just going, well, how could you fit two of every animal in an ark? Okay. It's a great work of literature. Well, I've been listening to John Lamb Lash a lot recently. I like this guy because it's, it's, I wanted I wanted proper heretics to listen to, and uh, so from his Gnostic perspective, he, he 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 verses it well, so I like it. 
which was something I'd never thought of. And it was quite obvious, really, just in the way you worded it, in the sense of, well, what they've given us with this, let's say, Christianity or these monotheistic religions is they've given us a salvationist ideology. I don't know. So somehow we're, that we've got to be, be saved. So, so, so you were born into what? Well, sin. So your very existence is already flawed and tarnished, which is, in one sense, you're a virus. All right. So, and 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 what you've got to do now is reach these unreachable demands. Could be to do with desire or sexual reproduction or, or good behaviour or never telling a lie, never causing harm to another living creature. You know, you get these some of these religions, not Christianity, what are they? Jain, Jainism and Jains or something that can't kill an insect or something. Well, this is this is ludicrous. This is so anti-life in a sense of like like it's, it's almost a dismissing the cycle of like. You know, if nothing really dies, even if you're eating meat, is anything dying? I'm not saying it's great having a factory farm where they're hung up by their legs and filled with hormones and fucking this is demonic science fiction chaos. But but really, is the death happening? The only reason you would you would think there's death happening is if you believe in death. Right. Well, people would go, well, what do you mean? And I've only started listening to this recently, but I can see it because, because really if you think of an, an eternal consciousness in that sense, well, you don't believe in death, do you? Yeah, Why? Yeah. Because, it, because the energy is going on, the consciousness is going on. They will tell you not to kill yourself. Why? Because you're not going to relieve yourself of the pain because if the pain is in the consciousness and the consciousness is going on, the energy goes on. So, so the, the, the act of suicide really is not going to give you the result you want. It's actually, yeah, and in yeah, one perspective, yeah. I see it's actually got to give you a worse result because you're sort of changing that that state of energy to transform in a state of pain, you know, and I think that's where it comes in about the moment that you pass, the more harmonious you are with your energy, the more harmonious that transition is. Because a big part of my life is I feared death, and ironically, I was suicidal a lot of my life, you know, while having a fear of Boy. death. <laughs> everybody fears death. Well, every, everybody's. I've been listening to these guys recently who just it's Gnostic, hardcore Gnostic stuff. I think in the sense of just he's just basically going. If you instill the belief of death into a child, then you've already you've you're you're going to die because this is like you shouldn't even believe in death. And that's what's funny if you look at Christianity. What is it? Well, it's the worship of this. Right? What is it? Well, it's 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 this salvationist ideology, this salvationist God, which gave a son to come and take all your filth and then sacrificed. He's now this sacrifice, this child sacrifice, and then you've got and every Christmas you 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 put your energy to this child sacrifice, right? given to you by a bunch of people who don't practice this religion. Yeah, and for me, it's the the stages of death. I, I, I've said it before to someone else, and something that I believe is I don't welcome death. I don't welcome the end. But if it happens when I finish this call, I don't also care. That's not the, it's not a big deal. It happens when it happens, and I have no problem with it. I'm not welcoming it right now. You know? No, 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 no. I know what you mean. Like, like if we're going to look at the, you know, if we've all been given the death urge, 
I was listening to a guy the other night. He goes, you've got to override your death urge, which is not easy. You know, it's... Then they can trigger you with this death urge. Then if you've got what's going on in the world in the last two years, they used to say, what did they do? Well, they told you there was something that, was, that would go over borders or cultures or anything. What? Well, well death. Right? Or you might get the virus. And you, right? So what's, it? what's the ancient death urge, isn't it? So you just bang. It's almost like a you get, can you can you can you push that button in the in the collective unconscious? Bing! <laughs> they, they all get scared, right? Because they all got scared. Lots of them got scared. Well, lots of people still are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's a bit like I got scared. I got scared for a bit, but I, you know, my fear goes from a completely different perspective. Yeah, and I'd say they're scared. It's interesting because we were talking about anger earlier and like everything has this place. We have fear with, is an ability we have. We have shame, we have guilt, we have fear and it's being scared. These are within us. But if you're in that for a prolonged period of time, it's clearly shown that that's not the most productive way to be, to live, to live life. Oh, no, so, of course not. Of course so not. Miller, certain times when it could pop up, that could save your life. Say if it was in a natural environment, you know, and there's a wild boar charging at you. You should have a little bit of fear and a little bit of scared to make sure you get that adrenaline to get up that tree, you know. Well, no, you, 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 no but, completely, completely. It's, it's. I mean, I can't discuss this with any kind of, because uh, I'm only just listening to this stuff, so I, I wouldn't give it any uh, strength if I got into it. But it's giving me because I, I needed, I needed my uh, my thinking snapped around again you know i was tired i've, I've heard everything you know, i mean in the sense of you know what's going on in the world yeah. I've, I've been to conspiracies enough for 25 years i don't need any of that stuff i needed someone to get deeper in the sense of so if i've been listening to this paul levi guy and john lamb lash it's more into the sense of yeah how big are these programs in you you know like like big they're big and they're ancient you know, like, like, as we were discussing before, some people still can't get over the idea that the doctor's not a god, you know what I mean? But, but I want to go deeper now into the sense of, you know, how can, can I be affected unconsciously by programs which I've collected from the collective unconscious and just the culture itself? When I'm not particularly religious, as I said, but some of it would have gone. Oh, it's just frozen on my end. Just check in. Yeah. So it just froze. Can you hear me? I heard something. Not sure why. No. Uh, yeah. Just, just froze for a sec. It's gone back to a bit of freeze. But yeah, I think I think when it comes to like. So uh, so uh, well, I was just going to say yeah. Well, like we were discussing before, you can see how these this sort of salvationist ideology, I start to realise, these are big belief systems in people, and so they can be redirected, can't they? You figure so. So now the salvationist ideology has been directed to the scientists and the medical establishment. So you wonder how do these people believe these things so easily? Well, maybe they're just being, if they're if they're asleep, they're being corrupted on levels that they can't even fathom. Yeah. 
and I think I see it on two different fronts is I, I believe that we're innately born thriving on unconditional love, you know, and that normally lasts only for a short amount of time. And then we're conditioned out of that, but we always crave to get back to that point because that's what centers and fuels us. Uh, and we look for all different means and tools to try and find what we're missing. And many never find it and they always feel lost, you know, and they're looking for this balance. They're looking for this harmony. And then on top of that, they've got, like you said, the, the system of, if you want to take care of your health, there's this mentality that I'm seeing now where it's mind. Yeah, for me, there's the mind, there's the body, there's the self. Yeah, so you've got the mind, which is your intellect, your memory, your thoughts, your body, which does all your physical abilities, and the self, which is actually that life force within, like you're saying, what's in the body and continues. Yeah, but then they have to be harmonized. But we've got this priority on the mind is number one. Yeah, intellect is number one. Let's think about this some more. You know, and people's bodies are degrading. And, and I see oh. just, and it's like a mother father relationship. The mind has become this abusive, demanding dictator. <laughs> and all this body wants is a little love, a little comfort. Oh, well, lay down answer? in nature, please. <laughs> well, the old saying is what? The mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. Yeah. And I see that's a lot of people's things. So I'll give you one thing that you might find interesting is because this is my, my field of expertise is in holistic health. And I study the mind, the body, the self, and it's trying to encompass the whole picture of everything. And what I've noticed with sharing information and pain of knowledge and trying to actually aid people in a journey or transition is our nervous system has two main structures that most people heard of called fight or flight, as I call it attack and defense yeah, and rest and rejuvenation. When we're in attack and defense, which comes up at any form of stress, the ability to change a belief system is not there. All one can do is confirm, look for information that confirms the defense or the attack. Yeah. So they're, they're not, it's not an open system because you don't want to have, an, if you imagine it like a castle, you don't want to have the gates open when you're under attack. So no one, nothing's coming in, you know? but you're going to look for things that validate the, the reason that you're in attack. So you say something and someone will look for triggers because they're waiting for why, what am I being attacked by? Whereas when someone gets into that rest and rejuvenation of their body, that's an open system and they can absorb information and change belief systems. But there's a state where everything is keeping us in this attack and defense. And I say it like some people are like the warrior out there covered in scars, gone out to battle. And they've even lost their castle because they've just been fighting their entire life. You know, and they're, they're just a lost warrior out there with this cold mentality because they're in so much pain and suffering, you know, and they've just been suffering and fighting, you know, and they're congratulated for their scars all over their body. But they need to come home, you know, they need to be grounded, they need to be nurtured, they need to be rehabilitated. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see that's the thing right now, and I think it's a pain of knowledge and a lack of wisdom. Oh. Man, I had a big breakdown because I had all that lack of wisdom. I had a ton of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, can you walk, walk me through it? Because I was really interested in that. And I think a lot of people would be unhelped by it too, because so many people have what you call a dark night of the soul. Or they have that moment where it gets, life is just too hard to continue, you know, and you can end up on pills. You can end up in all different directions. I'm really curious how, like how you notice that transition transition enter your life and you, how you even broke that pattern of the medication. Well, I don't think you can, you, I can come to an answer that's pinpoint on what worked. <clears throat> I mean, what, what, what would have gone on for me? I thought about it. Right? Yeah, I had a lot of knowledge. 
<clears throat> I've read a lot of stuff, Buddhism and non-duality and shamanism, and I'm not I'm not claiming expertise on all these things, you know, and just read books about shamanism and become one. But, uh, you know, in conspiracies, there are tons of knowledge and stuff. But I had a lot of trauma in my childhood too, right, so I hadn't dealt with it. When I got to the UK, I could finally make money off art, doing what I wanted, meet interesting people. So, yeah, so yeah, then I'm taking drugs and all this kind of stuff. Not a drug addict, never, never an alcoholic or anything. But, you know, partying for a long time. And I started about 30. Then I had a little mini sort of depressive breakdown about 2009. Then I went back to Australia and it just went away. But really, that was the shot over the bow. Was it like you went away into the bush, into nature? No, no, no. I mean, just... it just went away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, went away. it just went. Right. So okay. I went back. I made a record. I stayed in Australia for about a year and I just kind of got better. Nothing. I didn't even think about it as depression or really, but, you know, it was. Then I went and toured again for five years straight. Hundreds of gigs a year, and just ninety-day tours here in Australia, here in Australia, there. You know, not a lot of drugs when you're touring in this sense, because yeah, but, but still, there's drinking, there's moving, there's flights, and you know, and then you get back, and then there's some drugs, and then there's this, and then there's, so it's so now it's just a mixture of everything, right? And, and at my age, so I think what's what you get diagnosed when, it, and then I just at the end of 2014, 13. And I just got a new girlfriend and do this and selling out tours. Then I just go into a massive depression. Bad depression. And then lose the girlfriend, go to Australia. What have I got? This this is worse than it was before. And so they're going, you've got adrenal fatigue, you've blown everything out. Basically a sort of a physical exhaustion. So now I sort of learned in my crude understanding of it, you have adrenal fatigue, if you, you know, because you, I wondered why have I got so much energy? Because I've just burned all the systems out. I'm running on adrenaline. Right? So, so you get this high and then it just bang. Because if, you, if, you, if you've exhausted yourself emotionally and physically and then you're propping it up with drugs and not looking at your life, The adrenaline floods the system, then the cortisol floods the system, then the nervous system, then my gut's not working, and then I had leaky gut or something, right? So I'm not getting any nutrients. So so basically I physically collapsed into this depression because the hormones are now affected by the, the hormonal system, by the adrenal fatigue and the cortisol and everything. And you've probably blown your fucking brain out a bit from what? Drug use, exhaustion. Right, so this is a state. This is a state of fucking chaos. <laughs> right. Then I lost my girlfriend and the whole thing. So now I've got a broken heart with this fucking depression. I'm looking for anything. My friend took me to this doctor in Sydney. She knew decent people. This guy was a decent doctor. He was in the rich area of Sydney and he dealt with celebrities and so forth. She's an artist, so she knows, knows these kind of people. So he was, you know, he's still in that medical world, but, you know, he used to give people intravenous vitamin C and stuff like this. So he was kind of, okay, but he, it, now, he wants to bring me on the psych meds. 
I'm freaking out. I don't want to be on psych meds. Right? I've already done comedy about giving kids psych meds and I've just never taken meds my whole life or got vaccinations. I don't need this fucking rubbish. Right? I don't know. You know, it's rubbish. But I'm in a state. Right? So, of course, their thing is, well, we stabilise you, we'll get this, you've got to get some sleep, we'll do the rah, rah, rah. I'm in such a state though, that I just go, well, okay, maybe I can get into that world. Stable, can we get this and get out? But I'm fighting it all the way. So here's where it's confusing because I'm in a state too, you know, I'm getting serious depressions, like 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 just brutal, brutal stuff. And just so you so, so your decision making process is desperate. Right, right. So I don't want to be on these things. He's got me in like three of them, you know, and so I then decided to just get off in my head, even though I – because here's when I start to realise, well, they're not stopping this depression. Like you've given me these things to stabilise me, but there was a part of my soul that knew it's not going to work and it's not doing anything, right? So I want off them. Now, they tell you you shouldn't do it under – don't go off them unless you're under doctor's supervision. Or this. So there's a, there's a red flag. Better not try and get off these by yourself because, you know, <laughs> I've got to be here to either if, if you go insane or, or to get you back on them. But I did it without them anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just did it with a conspiracy theorist guy with dreadlocks at a house. <laughs> now, now, this didn't pan out either. So now I now, now here's my predicament. Now I suddenly realise I'm in. Of course I'm trying to get off these meds. Is the psychological state of affairs that I'm now going into the same illness that has been affecting me through the adrenal fatigue diagnosis and everything, what's going on here, or is this a withdrawal of meds? So now I realise now I've got these two worlds that I'm trying to see. It's a disaster. So the, the, the withdrawal from this first bunch was just brutal. I went over to Asia to go to this rehab to try and – keep me off meds. How I function and got over there in this state is just beyond mm. me now. For a guy who's never been particularly good at fighting or like this, I realise I'm pretty fucking tough in other ways. Right? I don't know why I fucking did it. But... Now, this is a disaster. They put me back on them. Right? <laughs> well, they put me, I took them, you know, because I'm yeah. still a mess, right? So I get out of there, I go back to Australia. Now my big thought is now I've got to get off these things again, right? And it took me two odd years, two years. I did ayahuasca, I did I was doing just anything I could get my hands on. I was I, I had to be off these pills. There was no way that I could live my life because they weren't doing anything anyway. They're not gonna do it. This is they're gonna make everything worse. And I can't be connected and being conspiracy theorist, I went, well, also, if they decide to shut down society and not bring the trucks that bring you these pills, which they could easily do, then you're now connected to this thing and in, a, in the psychological landscape, the physical, psychological, biochemical landscape, you're a slave to. <laughs> no fucking way, right? But, Obviously, I feel for anyone out there who's you know on them for reasons that are difficult, really difficult challenges to fucking cure. Like your mother, it's fucking you know, it's well, devastating. I, I, yeah, well, I spent years being the main one who administrates her pills, and I was of the mentality back then. I was like, 
no, the doctors told me it's because you're not taking them on time. So I was like really regiment on like, look, this is your time for these pills, this one, this one. And I remember hearing years later when I started to look at different types of alternative care and stuff and one doctor just suggesting, he's like, when you're having a cocktail of pills, he goes, at least put 10 minutes between each one. He goes to let it digest on its own because no, none of these pills have been studied as a mix. They're individually studied. No one's actually knows the consequences possibly of mixing them all together. She was on like 20, you know, and you're taking five at a time sometimes. And I was like, yeah, I wish I knew that, that then word, just that to even. Use, which is universal to these people, cocktail. Yeah. And, it, so and it's it, in Australia, you're on a cocktail. Like, well, that doesn't sound appealing to me. I'm not a big <laughs> cocktail guy to begin with, right? <laughs> a pint of lager will do, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, well, I, I spent the next two years. The, the final sort of uh, guy I worked with when it all kind of ended so I was working with this guy in England from Australia who was who had a and he just got me on supplements. This guy had bipolar and he didn't take any medication. And he just and we're talking 30 supplements a day twice a day and told me which ones to get. He was really thorough and good. But that was the last run of this five, six year fucking journey of chaos that where where one day I realized I'm not on. I'm feeling better and I'm not on it. That was like, that was like, <clears throat> that was like. Yeah, well, it's amazing that you managed to, to break through that through perseverance and grit and to continue actually just doing what you felt intu intuitively you needed to do. Because like you said, you can go somewhere and you get a pill. One thing I'd say to someone, if the doctor's going to give you a pill to manage your condition, ask them how long till you can stop taking it. When do I come off this and when will I feel better? And for the most part, you will hear the answer is never. The dose will increase. Um, but maybe some of your symptoms will get less. And if any other side effects arise, we've got a pill to, to deal with that. <laughs> it's a complete spider's web of, fucking, of, of evil. Yeah. If I want to be brutal about it. Well, I, I had with my mum. Also, well, as I said, you dealt with it early, early on. When I was dealing with it in my 40s, I just realized something. I don't know whether you saw this, but I mean, you've got lifelong experience. But I just realized, you know, these people have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, well, I've seen over <laughs> my lifetime, I don't know, I would say over 100 doctors, all different doctors and specialists, let's say in their departments, all mental health specialists. Um, and there might be some nice doctors out there, for, but from my personal experience, everyone I met was arrogant and miserable and talked down to me especially as a child when i was a teenager they didn't have time for me they didn't want to talk to me seriously they didn't take any of my concerns about my mother seriously um and it was really hard to communicate with them some of the nurses were really friendly really supportive really nice and even they talked bad about the doctors and they said but we don't get the decision the doctor does who only comes in once a week to see your mum for 10 minutes and in that time it's just to basically give you more pills and check you're taking them but there wasn't really exactly, exactly. There was no care yeah. you know there was, there was no was, care um, it was this a real like, but that made me aware. I was like, I just thought when I was younger, I need more money to pay a doctor for more time, you know, to, to, to fix these issues. And that was my mentality when I was younger. That was driven me to be self-employed and to try and make more money because I was like, I need more to pay for the healthcare. I know what you mean. We all get caught in that thing too. And I'll tell you uh, another story. Exactly, it, man. That's it. I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, I can talk to you on the level I, I think about this. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a disaster. It's a disaster area. Like, like, 
especially when you're dealing with the world of what they call mental health, then these, these people have no idea what they're well, fucking talking yeah. about. Like I said, I started boxing, then I became a personal trainer. I was really, I was so adamant that I need to take care of my uh, my mental health and my physical health because my mum lost both of them at a young age. I stayed away from drink and drugs and watched what I ate and started exercising from a very young age because I was told that I will develop what she has. They said, oh, it can be genetic. So I was terrified as a child. I was like, that's my worst fear is to turn into what she was. So it drove you know there's, there's another lie they tell everybody. Yeah, but it drove me into trying to constantly know what is my mental health what is my physical health yeah and i made a million mistakes along the way they got really sick in the process <laughs> you know like i had depression for 20 years i had suicidal episodes it turned into insomnia chronic fatigue you know and it was like took a long time to, to unwind all them things and to change them um but what what changed for me was actually my last suicide episode in 2015 so not that long ago I was, um, at that time, my love, Danielle, who was a new one after I'd also been divorced from a childhood sweetheart. Like, it's always been trauma in my life. It's always been drama. But drama builds character, you know? No good story doesn't have some good drama. That's how I see it now. Um, yeah, and I was with my new wife. She had a cardiac arrest at 29 years old. She dropped dead in a shop, and they brought her back. Luckily, they brought her back with the pads, the electric pads in a shop. If, they, if the paramedic wasn't shopping at the same time in the hardware store, she would have been dead but she was out for two minutes. When she came back, she had mild brain damage. Um, she was paralyzed in her leg and she was on morphine, painkillers, pills to go toilet. She was just heavily medicated and I became her full-time carer. And I was told she will be dead within five years. She will never walk again. Um, and you basically, there's nothing we can do cause unknown. And at the same time, I was already caring for my mom, trying to do a business and work. Yeah, and when that, when that happened, my mom tried a suicide attempt Every month for seven months in a row while I was, because I was going to spend so much time looking after Danielle and going back and forth. So, and then she was having suicidal episodes and could die any moment anyway. And one day I had to walk to hers because I didn't have a car. I'd just been stealing food because I didn't have any money anymore to eat. So I just went to the shop, stole a steak, you know, <laughs> went back, got my mum from a hospital and put her back to make sure she's not there. I was walking to see if Danielle's still alive, worrying if my mum's going to be dead. I'm getting exhausted listening. Yeah, having another suicide attack, wondering if Danielle's alive. And I went across the uh, M23, just south of London, across a bridge to get there. And six lanes of really busy traffic. And I stopped on there and I was just like, life's been hard for too long. It's like, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. The future looks bleak, to say the least. Right now is painful and horrible. And it was like, jump. And I walked to the edge of the bridge and I was looking at all the cars flying by. And I was like, not only go out, make a bang, mess up some other people's day. You know, give them a little bit of problems. Like I, these were thoughts going from my head. It's like, make a big mess. You go out quick. This will be over. You know, and something in that last moment just hit me. And it's like, you'll find a way, fight through. You'll find a way to, to despite if your mum dies, despite if Danielle dies, you'll find a way. And it wasn't instant. No way was it instant, but it made me continue to walk past that bridge. And in time, it was during more chaos that I found a balance within it was having Daniel dying in my arms and having to be of that optimal productivity to stay productive and have mental balance. I learned tools and techniques and studied and worked with all different alternative, traveled to a different country to go to alternative care because the NHS said we can't do anything. Here's some drugs, but we don't know what's wrong. You know, so I was like, well, I've, let's sell everything. Everything we have, sell it and we'll go look for someone that might know. Who cares if they say they do or don't know? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, it's now seven years later. She's medication-free, she's walking, and she's alive. And they said she'd be dead by now. Yeah, and this was from right. all different types of alternative care. And I'm free of depression. 
I sleep wonderfully. <laughs> you know, my insomnia well, is gone. That's an amazing, amazing story. And uh, well, part of that is what what I had to do in the sense of uh, my my experience was nowhere near. I didn't have to deal with all that stuff either. But that's what it takes: is you have to do it yourself. And it and it takes time, and yeah, it takes money sometimes. But but sometimes you just have to go. If you don't have money, then you might have to think of something else. As you said, go in another country, do this, do that, do this. Maybe yeah, I did. I spent tens of thousands of pounds on things that didn't really pay off the way I wanted. I did this. I went over there. I did stuff that fucking nearly zapped me into fucking you know made mistakes on choices. But. I realized I had to do that because I'm not going into that system to get follow doctor's orders. Well, yeah, especially so. when they tell you a lot of the time, we don't know. And I'm like, but <laughs> I, I don't know what's wrong, but take this. And I'm like, my whole experience is saying that makes no sense. If someone no says, sense. I don't know, but here's something. <laughs> you know, it's, it's man, straight away. Man, it makes, it, uh, it, I know exactly where you're coming from. That's the, it's the part of it that's where, we where got, it's just. With the antidepressants, we got told, like when she was in a lot of pain, he was one of the doctors, he's trying to give me antidepressants for her. And because I had a history with these, I'm aware why they use them. And I'm like, yeah, but, and he's like, but when you take them at a high dose, they're painkillers. And I was like, yeah, but what about the repercussions of the actual effect that you use them for, for her mental state? And he goes, oh, don't worry about that. He goes, but they'll work effective as a painkiller. And I kept saying, yeah, but what will it do to her mental state? And he said, nothing. And I was like, but you give this to people to change their mental state. If you're saying it will do nothing, you're saying it will do nothing for them. And he literally couldn't understand me. And then he's like, time's up. Here's your pills. You know? <laughs> but it's exactly. It's, 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 this is the system they've set up. Uh, and you don't get you don't get time with them. It's like ten minutes a session. You, or you something. don't get fucking time. So, so this is the system they set up. Now, so uh, that's what we've been talking about. Whereas, whereas people defend it, they're still programmed in the defence of it because they don't want to go about the work of having to do something for themselves, which may be difficult. I'm not saying everyone's you know if you've got three kids and a house and rah, 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 but that's your circumstance. What we're talking about is what you have to do if you want to try and get better out of the system. You're going to have to go out there on your own. You've got to go maverick. Yeah, at least think- now you've got the at least now you've got the internet where you can maybe Google some people and find out. Back in the old days, you just had the yellow pages or something, right? Like you, you had to. At least now you could Google shamanic medicine for antidepressants. See what comes up. Yeah, and I like what you said earlier about like depression. You said you're just overwhelmed, and it's like to me, depression it just means you need to depressurize. So it's like, what can you do to take pressure off your mind? What can you do to take pressure off your body? You know, and what can you just do to not add pressure? So sometimes it's just going without stuff rather than consuming so much. Well, see, well, see, when I, when I, when I was going through mine, the the big problem I always had was once since they diagnosed me with this thing and so forth and whatnot, and you've got depression and rah rah rah, but they don't know what it is. That's- and you're in this, and and, and there's, no, there's no x-ray because we're not dealing with your broken leg. Here's your shit, and it's going like this. You're dealing with your inner state. There's this guy talking at you about your inner state. Now he's telling me that the depression or something is a mental health issue, but then you want to give me pills which, which affect the brain, which is a physical organ. So you're going through the physical but saying I've got mental illness. But wouldn't this be a mental symptom? 
Yeah, and it's when you look at it, it's like, what, what does what does an antidepressant do? SSRI or whatever they're called, serotonin rehab take up to serotonin is ninety five percent created in the gut. Did they in ask the gut, you? Right, right. Did they ask you? Are you going toilet? What do you consume? You know how healthy no, is your no, bacteria? No, 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 no. Did they do a stool test to check whether you've got a really messed up gut? Oh, I see. There's I none of that's touched. All, I went and did all this stuff myself with naturopaths and all this, right? But but now I'm sitting there going. Okay, so you go and get some answers. Well, your hormones seem fine. Right, 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 right. So you can do But I was still lost and then no one really, I never really found out what was going on because they're telling you you've blown out back to your neurotransmitters or your adrenal for how long does this take to come back online? Your nervous system shot now because you, you're kind of in this world of fucking chaos, right? Because what's going on really? Why can't I get, why aren't I getting better? That was always my thing. Like it just took years, you know, and I would get, you know, sometimes when it was, I could function and it was, you know, I could try to, and then yeah. it would come back with the brutality of just fucking, and it was like, God, you know. But so, as I said, finally, I finally went, I've got off those pills, but I, I can't really, I couldn't give anyone information on a path of which to take because. Well, I'd say it sounds like your path was that mentality that you want to be free of your depression and you was having the realization that you were told that these things won't give you that. So you were just on a path to look for what would give you that freedom where you have the feelings that you want without a substance you don't want that said it won't I do just, that. I just knew they wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, see, see also depression. I'm wondering because people will swear by them. You know, I can't deny anyone else's right. Some people are on them and they say, well, I, you know, I had to, and it was horrible. And, but then again, you, I, I can't get – if I see two guys' broken legs on an X-ray, I can see the damage in each thing. But something like someone's going, I have depression, then I don't know how bad is it. Yeah, what caliber it is. How do you measure it? Yeah, yeah right, right. Because yeah. I also wonder – because some people go, well, you know, you have depression, so you paint a smile on and get on with it. Well, there was no painting a smile on what I had. So, so how are you painting a smile yeah. on what you think is depression? Is this actually depression, or well, are you just sort of? I had to re stat. yeah, I had to reanalyze myself when I realized that, that how long and that I had depression, and it was more for the fact I wasn't able to express or feel excitement or joy. There was no joy in anything, even things that I could see should be joyful and and nice. It was like no, and like you said, with painting the smile, I couldn't. For me, I could never not be authentic. So if someone said smile for a camera, I, I would just not be on camera because when I was young, I was sad. I was like, I don't want to see my own misery, and I'm not just going to smile for this picture. I don't want to look back at a false picture. I'd rather just not look back. I don't want to remember now. <laughs> I'll take the picture. <laughs> I know you the mean, camera about, about the smile. I can't smile. <laughs> Every time I've got a photo, I'm like this. Why? So, so I can pretend to smile. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I had to add it to part of my routine. I had to train myself to smile again and to realize, like, when I was feeling good, my partner Danielle, she's like, "Are you okay today?" And I said, I feel great. She goes, you look miserable. And I said, really? And I said, I feel great. She goes, you don't look like how you say you feel. And I was like, oh, man, I've been in a pattern of this mate, is my mate, expression. I, I, I have that. I have that. Because you know, look at this. I've got this thing. Right? Because I can sit around when I'm not yeah. even that upset like this. Yeah, mine are a little less now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But here right, was really. <laughs> because, 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 you know, I could easily I could easily be sitting at the end of the bed like this guy. You don't even realize that you yeah. just did this. And I'm not depressed, no. but this thing just can 
but we have we have recorded patterns and behavior that can give us actual nervous and hormonal stimulants from posture you know and from expression and it's like we've been patterned if we've been depressed we've had that pattern within us for a long time and we can sit with our head down and even if we're thinking about something good the body's changing the chemical structure to the past and yeah. the pains and the, and the yeah. suffering like i implemented in my mornings uh, go for because i walk my dog in the morning anyway and i was like but i'm gonna walk and most of the time i'm on my own i was like i'm gonna walk and from an outside perspective like a movie i was like this person should look like they're enjoying their walk and that's all what does that look like if someone was to be watching this in a film and it's silent would they go oh he's really enjoying his walk today or would they say cool he looks like he's having a hard time and he's miserable <laughs> Especially coming from England, you know, it it was like really uncomfortable. If you was to walk down the street with a smile on your face or saying good morning to someone, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you want? It's like yeah. the bizarrest thing. It's like you you you've got an agenda. If you're gonna give me eye contact, you're gonna mug me. You're gonna ask me for some money. It's like so you look away, you look down, you don't speak. Here in the countryside, where every time you see a person, it's in Spanish. It's like Buenos dias. It's like good morning with a smile and eye contact, a wave like it's just instinct and they all have it especially in the countryside it's just a normal behavior to say you've just come across my presence in this time this moment have a nice greeting share a smile you know it's funny you say that i used to when i used to go uh live in this apartment block in manchester the, the laundry mat bit is in the basement a couple of washing machines in there so i'd get down there to be one other person in there so to you know this awkward quiet so i just go g'day mate how you going and some of them would just not even speak, right? And that's when I realised that, and there could be a lot of students, southerners perhaps, Manx probably would have spoke, but uh, I realised, oh, no, this guy was quite quite okay with the uncomfortable silence. And what I've done is ruined the whole thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, bringing, by bringing some... G'day, mate. What's going on? Oh, we don't have to discuss, you know, the, 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 the universe, mate. G'day, mate. What's going on? You're right. Yeah. That's all you have to say. Yeah. I remember being on the, the trains. Being, being you know, sing together, sing yeah. on a train. They can all get together and sing on a train from Newcastle to Manchester. But then you say, G'day to the street. They go, I'm sorry. What? 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 what, 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 what. <laughs> <laughs> I remember say. being in the underground, you know, in London. And anyone that's been on the underground in London, you, you're, you're, what's it called? What they call it? Your safety zone or whatever the thing is they have these days. But you, you, there's no, there's, the, this is where you experience oneness, you know, because you're just crammed in like sardines. <laughs> but you don't look at each other. You don't talk. It's like a socially uncomfortable situation because it's like you're being very intimate right now, but don't say anything. It's and, so funny. It's yeah. is. And I was always like, thanking oh, me wanted to just say I'm on a train maybe for an hour sitting next to someone or opposite them. So I could be having a really good direct conversation. Thanking me wanted to say like, how's your day been? But it wouldn't do it. It wouldn't dare do it. <laughs> Mate, I've, I've, when there's when there's a, I was on the tube the other night. Sometimes you'll get a homeless guy, someone to come on, he might be asking for some cash, and he's, or he's good. You'll stand at the end of the tube and go, "Hello, folks. Um, sorry to interrupt like this." Or and he's, he'll be friendly as now. I know how insanely uncomfortable it's driving everybody, right? Whereas when yeah. he gets near me, I just go, "G'day, mate. How you going?" Right? And he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. This again. You all right, mate? Right? Just." So many people get scared of this outside. Oh no, he's going to he's going to interrupt. The, 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 he's he's going to interact. He's yeah, trying to interact gonna, with me. 
You know, when you don't realise, mate, the easiest way to get out of this is to what? Just fucking start talking to the bloke, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, you know what's funny? That's exactly what I do in them situations. It's like if someone comes yeah. on, I will just have a conversation. And if they say, if you've got some money, I'll be like, if I have, I'll give it to you. But I actually haven't, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and then they don't want to have a long conversation. They don't want nah. much of an interaction. <laughs> nah. Nah. But and so many people some... try and tune them out like they literally do not exist. Like that's not happening. And also, if you if you haven't got your cash, well, at least you said good day. Yeah, they uh, just checking my battery a second. Yeah, you yeah, know what good. I mean. So, so someone someone who's sitting around on the street getting looked at and rah 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 and so forth and being homeless to begin with is yeah. There saying was a, good day. Saying good day is fucking good. What what was really good bizarre? Day, for me, people for me. get scared of these people. You just don't be yeah. scared. It's like when some guy is a bit street rah 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 and knows that he can be a bit scary to people. Whereas they come up to me and uh, and I just go, "Get him, mate. How you going? Yes, I know you're putting this on, but you're putting a bit of act on it." Straight away they go, "Oh yeah, all right." Mate. If you're in the village here in Spain, like in, not even a village, like just a small town, and you're in the shop, it's like custom that when you walk into a shop. You say hola but to the whole shop, to everyone in the shop at one go. And at the beginning, I was like, what's going on? Why is this person coming in the shop and just shouting hello? I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was like, who's he, why does he need to shout at someone? I was like, who's he talking to? And then I found out he's talking to everyone. Like, you're actually saying hello to everyone when you walk into a shop or a bar or a re- like, and I was like, that is so bizarre, but it's quite nice. <laughs> man, it makes it easier to probably go up and chat to someone, a stranger. Yeah. You've already yeah. said hello. I was having a chat with someone yesterday. He's walking his dog. His little old guy somehow gets here on a little electric. He's in a wheelchair, electric one. Speak zero English and my Spanish is horrendous. And we're having this conversation and um, both hardly understanding each other at all. But we, he didn't leave. And I was getting to the point where I was like, I, was, I had something to do. I had a meeting coming up and I was like, I didn't want to be rude, but I also don't know how to tell him. He froze for a sec. Oh, I don't know what's going on with Signal today. Any better? Has it come back? Am I back? No, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you are in the you are in the mountains. Yeah. 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 Lucky for me, there's new towers popping up everywhere. Ain't <laughs> 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 <And> I lucky? <laughs> you know, part of that is like I really like it when I end up somewhere off grid. I have zero signal occasionally, and I'm like, oh, I can't work, but I love the fact that I have zero signal. <laughs> you know, there's a real duality. It's like I need to be in this system to 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 do what I'm doing and to feed and to do this, and it's like. But I've been put in a position where I can't, so I, I just enjoy it now and go foraging, you know. <laughs> oh, why am I freezing? Is it overheating because it's getting hot? Mm. Am I back? Well, I can hear you, but oh, there you go. You're back now. Yeah. But no, it's... um. Yeah, it is, it is a duality of having to, like I said, like the pain of knowledge, the pain of sort of a, any forms of systems and how we can interact with them, hold some form of independence while you can't not be some form dependent, unless you're a really skilled forager, you know, <laughs> like especially in my life. So I forage, but I can't forage enough to eat, like consistently. <laughs> nah. You know, and then, I, nah. then I've got to get fuel for the van. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, oh, then you know, you you can get I got, I got a water filter that's gravity fed so it's no electric and i can get water straight out of a river or a lake and it filters it clean um but apart from that food is still like i said there's so many variants on on where we're dependent so for me that independence is something you strive for and uh, not beat yourself up when you have to connect well, and also that kind of independence really 
you know, it may become just a reality, depending how far this madness goes, in the sense of it may become a situation one has to deal with. <laughs> Hopefully you won't be eating lizards anytime soon, or maybe you know which lizard to eat next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay away from the lizards, folks, I tell you. Yeah. With with the sort of last two years, it's been chaotic. How, how has that affected your sort of stand-up? Like, did you do local performance? Because I know you've got a tour coming up. Is this because well, things are opening, or was you able to do underground tours during that time, or did you take it as just time off or forced time off or...? Well, I got here for three weeks and they start this fucking lockdown. So that first year and a half, whatever, no one. People go, we'll do comedy online. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Here's, here's, here's the problem that happens is that, is that the good thing about people is they can go, okay, we can – We've, we'll find a solution to a problem. Hey, we're doing we're doing the best that we can in the situation we've got, Steve. Why are you so negative? Because you're doing you, you you're you're manifesting the reality of of and going against the nature of what comedy is. You know, I mean, so it's a live interactive thing. And, 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 and you doing this, what you've now done is you've manifested, you've shown that you'll accommodate yourself in this fake world. Don't do that because now you're manifesting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, this is how things get manifested by the mass, don't they? Why? Well, they acquiesce and they say now they, in one sense, Steve, don't be so negative. We're finding a solution to the problem, to the situation that's arisen. Yeah, but this situation's been uh, orchestrated to have you do exactly this. That's why you so 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 you go to the supermarket now and beep beep yourself and that. But I, I've just gone back to I'm just going to stand in the queue even if I have to wait. But while it's still here, why? So I'm not manifesting. So I don't, I'm not participating. Will it solve the whole thing? Of course it won't, right? but I'm not going to. I just realized that what happens is you all just do it. Now it's now it's happening. Well, what else is there to do, Steve? And I, yeah, I know that's that's the spider's web you're in, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we briefly it, talked, like I say, once you're aware. creating the system where you can't function without the thing, right? So that, that's it. And some of you may could just call it, uh, you know, Things change, Steve. It's the way of the world now. We briefly said before, isn't it? It's like you you mentioned it a few times. Like people say, so what do we do, Steve? And it's like once you give someone an insight into anything, there's a sometimes an angry assumption as well. It comes with a tone, comes with an expression. Like if you can point something out, then you must know the perfect solution. You know, and it's like I think I said to you, I was like, you could be walking across broken glass and say to someone, "Do you realize we're walking on broken glass? This is dangerous." They go, oh, so where should we walk then? And you're like, I don't know, but maybe not here. So I, I, know, I know as much as you know right now, but it doesn't mean I know everything. And that sometimes can, someone can think when you share something that they're like, oh, this person's arrogant. Oh, this person's a know-it-all. 
and it's like normally they're saying i don't know everything i i've realized i've come to know that i know so little yeah, I mean, it's the like, opposite response. Yeah, I heard a great saying the other day with some guy against, listen, I'm not saying I'm an expert in all these things because I'm far too smart. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly but, that. So, but, oh, you know, you know, but at this point in time, there's another part of me that's just like, I was listening to this guy the other night. I never listened to him, but I liked his thing, and this was like 2008 or something. But he's going, you know, he goes, I'm, I, he goes, I have no patience with ignorance anymore, and I just, you know, because we're running out of time. So you can't just – you've got to shake some of these fuckers. Right? So if they want to start going, are you arrogant? Or well, if you fucking think so, mate. But it's just – one sense we can look at very simply. I've known guys I've known for 35 years. They've had marriages and kids and done their jobs and watched football and they're nice guys, good guys, my mates. Right? They haven't they, – they don't know what I know because they haven't looked into what I've known, the same as I don't know how to pull a car apart put it back together why because i haven't looked into it i don't know how to do it some blokes do some blokes have done it heaps some blokes can do it without a manual now just fucking pull the thing up right why they well they know how to do it they've got all the knowledge well i've got lots of knowledge from this stuff now is it all true and got the secrets of the universe no that's not the point but none of you have, have, have what but they attack you like oh it's just you know stuff steve's in the stuff so are you trying to tell me that every single person of every book that i've read was written by idiots uh, but you don't know what I know. You've already dismissed it, but you don't know what I know. Right? And also you're upset with the fact that you, you don't think there could be any truth in what I what, what I No, oh, you think you know everything. No, but I know I know a lot more than you. Same as that guy knows a lot more than me about cars. And those blokes know a lot more than me about football. And that guy knows more than me about kung fu. Because that's what they did. <laughs> right. See, I haven't just looked at a couple of YouTube videos in the last two weeks. No, I've looked into this for twenty fucking five years. Of 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 aliens and Dracos and lizard worlds and Israel and money systems and rah 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 and 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 biblical stuff and psychology and drugs and and moon landings and occultism in money. Um, Phoenician money system, banking systems, secret societies. But see, you haven't. So, yeah, I know more than you. Now, I don't have the answers because this is a deep, multi complex, fucking global enterprise. I'm just one bloke that read some books, and I'm in a world that is littered with disinformation at times. A lot of the times, of course it is. You know, they give you your heroes and your villains. They give you truth with lies because also they're, they're, they're occultically using you to manifest things to have you acquiesce. So they tell you the truth because they tell you what they're going to do to you. Right? So I just find it funny that people are so into experts, except if they meet an expert who's got things that they don't want to hear about. <laughs> it's a bit like what you said with the mental health or with the depression. It's hard to calibrate. If someone says, I'm a mechanic, here's a car, I'm going to strip it apart and put it back together. It's so easy to assess and evaluate and go, well, they know what they're doing. When it comes to other sort of things, it can be so cryptic. And with no knowledge or information on it, you can't even decipher how to measure whether this person knows anything or nothing. And they go back to their foundations of just the little knowledge they may have on certain aspects. But what I'm interested in, because a lot of people that will probably hear your stuff that have followed your content and with the vast amount of information in all these areas. Now, a lot of people are 
say binge watchers of conspiracies or they're just going do you remember, do you remember short circuit a film called short circuit with a robot in the 80s yeah 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 and he's going input input yeah i think everyone goes through that phrase when they start to learn certain things where it's just like you can't get enough input you just want you flying through the books flying through the videos of all this information and that can in itself be really stressful and painful right, here's here's the next point this is usually what you do at the beginning of all this stuff yeah. right which is good because if you want to learn about stuff you learn about stuff here's one they tell people that when people go to me do you want me to believe that steve see i'm not asking you to believe anything right because eventually i've learned after being this for so many years that it's about deconstructing my beliefs yeah. Right, right. So, and also what's driving me to just believe some of these things, right? Which part of me is being accommodated? That is accommodating states of my mind, which I find comfortable in sifting through the underworld. Right? Well, I'm Scorpion, Scorpio too, five planets. So there's a part of me that likes that anyway, finds it natural. So you've got five, five planets in Scorpio. Yeah. So part of me finds it natural, right, the underworld, secrets, mysteries. But I also realise that eventually just harvesting fucking information doesn't do anything. It becomes just a big mess, <laughs> right, because it's just harvesting information. As I said before, you can harvest knowledge, but if you don't then turn it into wisdom, you can have breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a hoarder, isn't it, hoarding information within yeah, your yeah, mind. Yeah, You've just yeah. got this stuff and you won't let go from, like, every bit of information. <laughs> and I heard, I was listening to uh, this fellow the other night. He said something which I kind of thought, and then it was great to hear someone of his wisdom say, he goes, listen, he goes, and he's well-versed in history, like hardcore, but he goes, listen, I know you can get excited to want to go back and look at all the stuff because there's a lot of conspiracy theory that goes back to ancient times and mm. pharaohs and bloodlines and money and who started the banks and where's it spread out to and right and it goes back to religious icon of uh, <coughs> uh, symbolism and vast churches and things. But he goes, listen. He goes, that's all well and good. He goes, but I reckon he goes, we haven't got time for that anymore. Right, he goes. He goes. You could start from about your from from your Bolshevik revolution onwards. He goes. Start to get an idea what's going on from there. Yes, it's connected, but you haven't got time <laughs> right now because it's coming down the pipe. Right. So just start to look at the 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 idea of how your societies, and it is, it's like that. I mean, look at the society, look at it with the PC and the feminism and the rah, rah, rah and the thing, and it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. It's like a schizophrenic landscape of insanity. You know, they're sitting around, running around, they're telling you there's a deadly virus, you should all go and get this thing, and then there's a Russia on the war with Ukraine and all this, but at the same time, you should be worried, concerned about women's uh, rights with the money. Do the, it, what, what, what? But I'm looking at women who work for the BBC on £350,000 a year. You're not telling me that. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? These are such moot points. They're such, they're such, they're such garbage. They're such static. Yeah, what, like you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be sort of looking at, right, right, which is yourself. And also, you know, just, just get rid of the static. It's all, it's all there to confuse you got to promote the gays and do this and have this and don't be a racist and go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you 
And you people are caught up in it. Like it's the be all and end all, the solution of the problems to create some kind of harmonious utopia between all the minorities and the evil white man or something. It's ridiculous. But it's a strategy. It is ridiculous, but it's a very well thought out strategy for design for your destruction. So it's not a moot point per se, but the things that people are caught up in become just you're caught up in the static of, of it's what it's supposed to do to you. So, so within that and that awareness that you have, have you found in your time, like even recently, have you found something that brings you back to that balance? If that anger or frustration, or you know, just of knowing all them things and how the seeing it all the time is in your face everywhere. Have you found anything that you do that finds just brings you to a center, whether that's for an exercise, a practice? Is there anything particular that centers you? Well, at the moment, I'm in Manchester. I've got to move out of here in two weeks again. I don't know where I'm going to live. That's why I'm so envious of sitting where you are. I know there's a part of me. I may just have to go and disappear. And- yeah, I'd say come to Spain, but I don't know how well you do stand up in Spain. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! You might have to learn some. <laughs> oh, because because it's not so much the stand up. I mean, it, 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 if if I just had if I had money, which I did have before I had a breakdown. There's another thing I lost. So yeah. the uh, I mean, money just to stop. Oh, oh yeah, I know. I, I know how I can get balanced. I, I head to somewhere like that. I, I can easily live I, with a tribe of people that uh, let's be human. <laughs> right? That that would that would help immediately. Right? Being in nature would balance me immediately. Being somewhere where I could get up in the morning and just sit around a fire. What do we got to do today? Well, really, we could just sit here, go for a walk, smoke a spliff, drink tea. I could sit at the fire for all this would balance me because I've done it before when I've been to festivals or I've lived in the bush where I, where I know what happens to me. right when, when you when you don't when you don't have to rush around and do anything you don't have to do anything so what, what do you do now though when you don't have them things you can't light a fire in your room and there is no bush well, <laughs> I make art oh yeah you were showing me can you just show the camera because I saw it before we started recording My CDs that I've already got for a quid from secondhand store, and then I chop the covers up. That's nice. So this is this is Enya. <laughs> Memory of trees. So it's quite feminine too in its symbolism. Yeah, and you find that just doing that creative piece, and I imagine you're not doing that for profit. That's something you just Maybe do for your own self. You too, one. People are going, Bono, isn't he part of the thing? Yeah, but he wasn't back then. He was excellent. <laughs> he was a great band. And the beautiful pictures done by Anton Corbin. <clears throat> that's the thing. That's a lot of this artwork on these CDs is so great. That's why I don't understand why anyone wouldn't want physical product. Why they, don't, why, they, why they just want everything in this nebulous space of downloaded music. It's like you said, your car won't give you a CD player now. I'm like, that would be shocking to me. I'm like, I don't. I don't want to be connected to this thing. I want my CD. Yeah, like I had loads of CDs. I don't need CDs. anybody to know what I'm listening to or what I I'm bought, doing. I just like, I bought a big just... wallet of CDs over with me when I when I moved into the van, and then I needed a CD player, so I went and bought one, and um, noticed it didn't have a CD slot. It's like this. You know, normally you get the deck, and it's really big and goes in your dash. It was like tiny. It's like this this 
the deep because it doesn't take a CD anymore. You know, and it's got a USB plug-in Bluetooth and all these things. I was like, I just want to play my, I've got CDs. You know, I like sometimes leaving a CD on and hearing the crap tracks, not the one, (laughs) just letting them play through. I just like the idea of I'm doing this. Yeah. It's a very small thing which people think I'm, oh, Steve, I think you just join in or like, no, no, it's like, I'd buy a Walkman, a Discman. See, the more you get into this, the more I'll go backwards. So, so I'd, I'd gladly have a Discman. Why? Well, I'll carry a dozen. Well, you'll only have a dozen. Oh, that's okay. I'll just have a dozen. I think in that, the quality ups as well, rather than the quantity, because you have to be selective. When you've got an, right. a little iPad with 5,000 songs on there, what, what you've really got your favourites. Are you really honing in on some and listening yeah. to the lyrics or you're, playing you're, them you've properly. all got so much stuff it was like when yeah. i went to the glassby festival to do a show it was like jesus what a nightmare that place is in the sense of you know how it's set up but it was like it was almost like so much stuff going on that nothing was happening yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it's a bit, it's a bit like a, a bit of good a good sort of metaphor for for the world for the most mm. part there's so much ha- going on what's really happening is is there a lot of construction happening you know that's why people are surprised by little acts of kindness because they just don't see it so often you know it's like like we said someone says hello to you and it's like wow what's going on it's like that shouldn't be a surprising thing (laughs) oh well you know it is at the moment but really deep down in them you know i mean this system affects this environment affects affects me it has to i mean you know it's 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 you can sit there and go, okay, I know we can, you know, I know all the stuff being Zen and Buddhist and that, and you know, keeping yourself whenever the external world is going on and so forth. Really, I know how much easier it is if I just wake up and I walk outside and there's just trees, start fire, you start fire in the morning, it's excellent, sit in the dirt. <laughs> just makes you uh, with connecting in it to your actual earth that you're on so i think a lot of people also think, there's, there's a great there's a great i know things have to be done so you can survive but look at this vast system we've created it's fucking it's it's so massively outrageous but really people i don't think they can even comprehend anymore you know what would i do if i didn't go to work sit around yeah i've had people say that before i've heard some i've heard people say like they say they lose their job they lose the thing and they're like i don't know what to do with my life and it's like that's fine find something but it doesn't have to be that you know it's but they've really lost you know they're really lost without that core and like you said sometimes it's getting people into nature because they've never been disconnected it's very much like the matrix when they pulled a plug out of them you know it's a shock you know sometimes some some things in life shock us a lot and it pulls us out of something and then we're scared and just want to be plugged back in Want that juicy steak? Want that? What well, I can't even remember which one it is now—the red or the blue pill? Which one's the one that people want to go back to? The blue pill. <laughs> the blue pill. But yeah, um, but no, it is a it is a a frustrating time for a lot of people, I think. But I think that at the same time, well, well, they're, they're experiencing it's always a, a duality. It's also a beautiful time. Oh yeah, well you know the, the, those are the wisest I listen to are always yeah, well you know. I mean, you could look at it like, 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 you know, if you've got a fear of the dentist, 
once the pain of the rotten tooth overrides the fear of the dentist, you go to the dentist. So it could be that that's a small uh, metaphor for what's happening. Well, human beings have decided that they aren't going to wake up. <laughs> yeah, I like to see the what people without do. having the pain override yeah. the fear. Well, pain definitely woke me up in terms of just life and awareness. You know, the shock, the trauma, the stress definitely gives you a different perspective. You know, and if oh. I've sp- the people I spoke to in like and seen in different aspects the last two years has really made people uh, just a bit more eyes open to anything and everything, whether that's just learning new skills and stuff. But they would they're doing things they wasn't doing before. They're taking an input they wasn't taking before. Yeah, uh, you know, some people and have also, shut down. Also, also you're blood. seeing you're seeing you know, it's happened to me anyway. You're seeing people that you've known all your life that you realise you didn't know. Yeah, that you thought were sort of outliers or and then you realize that how into that system they are yeah and you realize that and like i, I even and you realize how little actual community conversation interaction we have with people that we consider close friends you know i talk to people like you right now on podcasts more than i have people i consider that have been lifelong friends so you have to reflect on that and go what is that friend what is that friendship that you was attached to you've not never had a real conversation yeah yeah i know what you mean <laughs> and you're like wait a minute and i think a lot of people are going through that sort of transition and i like to see that what someone calls the awakening i don't, I don't like any label so as soon as it becomes a label and people are using it i really don't so even awakening i don't like using the word but i use I it this, but i use it for this example i see it like that how we see this a day you know there's a point where the sun comes up and the first light hits and that's when you're stimulated by the light and you start to wake up. Now, the earlier you get up, the longer day you have to set up your day to be more productive, to take use of the light before you've got to go back to rest again. Yeah? And some people are being woken up now like at 9 p.m. You know, they've, they've missed out on the dawn. They missed out on the beauty of the actual sunrise. But they're up a little bit. Some people are getting up at midday and they're ratty and they're tired still. And they're like, I just want to go back to bed. You know, and the people who got up at six are going, no, it's a great day. Wake up. You know, I, you miss the sunrise. I want to be the I want to be the guy that gets up at six, but I fucking work nights my whole life. I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> what, what sort of sleep schedule do you have now? Like, what's your oh, normal it's pattern? Rubbish. It's rubbish. I could go to bed anywhere between midnight and three a.m. You know, because I've worked, I've worked my whole life at night. Again, not that it helps much because it's just what you want and what you need, but you can't get it right now. But the three days living with the circadian rhythm of the night and the sun in nature, complete reset of your clock, no matter how no. long it's been. That's what's no. crazy. Yeah. And I know I've done, you know, when I was having the breakdown, I did a lot of tons of research and everything. So it was like, yeah, I started to understand. Ah, right. The melatonin comes in at sunset and then the, that it helps with the healing of the organs. And then you're supposed to go to bed at this time. So I, between these hours, the liver and that stuff, they have a yeah. bit of a cleanse and you get to do this and you do that. And then the serotonin when the sun comes up, you go bang, you can get up again. Nature's showing you, look, the birds are up. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, yeah, like, and then the Chinese are telling you, yeah, yeah. I remember once this Chinese woman gave me some acupuncture or something and she just touched me back. She goes, you'll sleep in daytime. No good. <laughs> how can you tell how can you tell i can tell i can tell <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's 100%. Like these things represent in our body. So clearly, it's something I was uh, ignorant to for most of my life. I would look at things like the acupuncture, chiropractic, all these alternative care. And I was like, ah, this is pseudoscience, you know? This is following that pattern. It's like you just dismiss them. Oh, I am. It's back. It just cut. Well, Steve, we're coming near to the end of the time purely because my battery is going to cut off. That's funny you say acupuncture. That That was one of my. Acupuncture was one of my uh, detecting from the medical system in the 90s. Yeah. Because I had sciatic nerve, probably from drumming or something, and didn't know what it was. I hadn't heard of sciatic nerve. I wasn't a sports guy or anything. And wouldn't go, and I got this pain in my fucking leg, and I'm seeing physios and this and everything. And even then, I'd try anything. So I fucking had to get back to drumming. I couldn't stand this. Taking herbs and potions, and then I thought eventually. See, my last port of call, even back then, was the actual hospital. So then, after months of trying to fucking remedy myself at this thing, I go to the doctors. Okay, well, give me a scan and tell me what this is and what's going. Oh, you know, you got a prolapse disc. Telling me that the disc between the vertebrae is prolapse, not just you know bulged, prolapsed. So you'd have to go in there and do this. So now I'm like, oh, what? I've been hit by a truck or anything. Like, what are you talking about? But, so he goes, oh, you know, but it's elective surgery, so it could take anywhere up to a year and all that. So I said, Paul, put me name down because if I went this every year, I'll take the fucking risk. But then they ring me in like two weeks. Oh, you know, we can do it. And I'm like, luckily, I was teaching this kid drums at the time. And his dad come to pick him up. He was a, like a long-distance runner guy. And he goes, oh, you've got sciatic nerve. I've had that for running. And he goes, go and see this guy. It's acupuncturist. So I go down and see this guy. You walk in there, hobble, hobble in there. And he checks me out. You know, no x-rays, just going like this. And he goes, yeah, I'll fix you in three weeks. <laughs> he goes, you'll have to come three times a week, but I'll fix you in three weeks. And I go, how are you going to fix a prolapse disc? So I stick a needles in me. He goes, what prolapse disc? Well, the one on this scan. No, no, there's no prolapse disc here. Three, three and a half weeks. That's when I went, yep, excellent. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew somewhere because all that time I was reading sharp and books and all this. And there was that part of me that always just knew that, you know, yeah. There's deeper shit going on in the world. Yeah, acupuncture. Like acupuncture just made this guy was a master acupuncturist. He still is. He's old. He's still rocking you know, this maniac. You know? But uh, and it break it breaks you when you get the actual say result, should we say? And then you realize, wait a minute. Especially when you come to the UK, it's like, why isn't this included in what's technically free? Yeah. Oh, mate, called free. Just, so then that yeah, just helps yeah. open your eyes a little bit more. I see. It's like okay, because oh, yeah, you see, you got the result when you never got results before. Like you said, they also, have to go out here. Also, why I love this fucking result was what is this guy doing? He's putting pins in me. It was a strong, he was really fucked up sciatic. So he he did give me some massage for that. But I trusted this guy, not just someone at the at the at the physiotherapist who's giving me a massage and doesn't know really whether they're doing it any harm or any good. I knew this guy knew. He gave a fuck. Right. And so I like that. There's trust now, right? And then he's putting pins. There was electrical sometimes on the pins, right? He even zapped me fucking nuts once as a bit of a joke. Yeah, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's sitting there and he's he's, he's like, uh, but I, I could feel it getting better. And then also 
what was so good about it? What? There was no pills. There was no nothing. There was no, it was what? The body being stimulated to fix it. Yeah. And like I said, this it's already within the body. It just needs a little yeah, bit of yeah, re- yeah. redirecting. So, so, you know, he just stimulated the body to fix it. And then I walked off without any rubbish in me or pills or this or something. Yeah. No, it's the only way to go. Like I said, that's what drives me. That's my passion. And like I've worked, I work mostly with people sort of one-to-one in real life because a lot of it is hands-on. A lot of it, you do need to interact with the physical person. It also builds a much uh, closer trust being in presence with each other, you know, so the person have an open system. But I had a guy, he was 85 years old. He had like a turtle shell back. You know, he's, he slept three times a day, he had siestas three times a day, got up 10 times to urinate every night. You know, and he's like, yeah, but it's old age because I'm an, I'm an old guy. What do you expect? And I said to him, look, come see me for, I said, for for about 10 sessions over two weeks. And I said, for free. So I'm not even going to charge you. So just come and see me. I said, because I've got time. And I said, and I care. And within seven sessions, he was getting up once a night to go for a, to go toilet. And he was no longer having siestas. And he said to me, because I don't know what to do in the day. He goes, I've got the whole day now. He goes, you've given me the whole day. And he goes, I don't know what to do. He goes, what do I do? You know, and then by day 10, he's just got, he wrote me a little note saying he feels like he's been born again. And he danced with his daughter and she came, she was 60. She came and told me and she's like, she goes, I can't believe I had a dance with my dad. He's normally so miserable. And I said, he was just in a lot of pressure and pain, you know, and he hadn't slept. <laughs> Who wouldn't be miserable? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, there's no, there was no pills. There was no, uh, it's like, no, it's, you know, even age isn't the, the issue. And it's the mindset. No, 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 we got, we've all got these, we've got these things, these programs. It's all the mindset. They, you know, I was in the gym one day. They got the radio on. You see it because people in their forty are always more susceptible to prostate cancer. And they, Who said? <laughs> right, it's such rubbish. Right, like it is there. They pay, they have it on. Telling you, are they? That's also telling what everyone's just the same. Unless it's genetic, because their genetics are higher than that. It's all rubbish. Yeah, I watched your mindset. I was watching this. It's like I didn't. I couldn't believe that people went and got vaccinated for flu, right? Because in case they get the flu, right? Like just because winter's here, I don't know why you think that winter coming is going to make you sick. I never thought about getting sick in winter. Just thought my bony ass is going to freeze at the bus stop. I better get a hat. Some gloves. Never got sick. Never got the flu. Why? Why, why would I get the flu? It's just cold. Well, that always got me when I was a kid. They said, "Don't be careful going out with wet hair. You'll get a cold." And then the next minute, it's like you catch cold. Oh, it infects you. And it's like, which one is it? Is it just because I'm cold, or is it something flying about at all moments that loves the cold? And it's like you got wet hair, and I was like, "Now I'm going, I'm doing whatever." <laughs> But I think part of that, again, is if, you, if your body's weak, your immune system's weak, but your mind's also weak and you're susceptible to constantly having this intention that this can happen. Yeah, that's what I mean. Was, I've been to Mumbai, India three times. Of that, you, know, they, you don't drink the water or you don't eat the chicken heads. They're selling off pieces of cardboard in the sun. Yeah. But I never thought I'm going to get sick. I never thought I better get some things. Like I'm going to bloody India where the bloody Indians are everywhere. I just... I just got off the plane, hung around, went to the hotel. I said, don't drink the ice or drink the water. I mean, all right. Yeah, no, I did the then same. I wandered, I, then I wandered around Mumbai. Yeah, I went there a couple of times. What an amazing place. And um, I remember we went to this little gym and the guy has offered us a free bottle of water. 
And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I went to go for a wee, came around the corner, and he's with a needle gluing, do you know, the little things that keep the cap. Like he'd refilled a bottle of water with just tap water. But oh. so I would drink it. He's gluing the little thing. But he was giving it to me free. So his intention was good, but he didn't have a bottled water with a cap. So to him, it was okay to just glue individually, go around and glue each one of the seals. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. I was like, okay, I'll now have to look a little extra careful at my bottle caps. <laughs> Don't drink it. Don't drink the tap water there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Steve, but I'm going to... The gonna... Indian guy probably can because the Indian guy's there. He's got, and again, uh, it comes down to having this talk with my brother about bacteria and we call it culture. You know, and different cultures and different bacteria links. You know, it's all the same as one big petri dish, as they say. But right. you go there yeah. and it's... I realised that, you know, they were selling chicken heads in the sun on bits of cardboard. Well, I know there's no way I can eat that, but someone's eating it. Yeah, someone's in it. And you don't see, you see much more smiles and you mate, see much mate. more proportional looking physiques. <laughs> mate, someone's eating it and they're going, all right, why? Because their body went, well, you know, this is pretty rough, but also we, we sorted it out, right? Like, this is what's going on. Me, I come from eating fucking a Greg sausage roll to here. Well, I just fucking stare at that chicken head. I'll probably get sick, right? But like, mm. well, I, I didn't. But um, <laughs> but see, there's another thing where you can understand, well, the body just can acclimatise in strange ways. And it's, it's, you know, it's it's not just this doctor thing, medicine, look at it. <laughs> you know, it's not. <clears throat> So I guess the point of our talk tonight is what, yeah, if you can get off any medication on psychological or not, try and get off. You know, innocent. Yeah. Oh, I have to take it for my blood pressure. Do you? No, there's nothing no. else in the world. There's nothing else in the world. Yeah, we'll wrap it. It's been amazing to talk to you and connect yeah, with I've you. Yeah, I've got stuff. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, and I'll, um, yeah, I'll let you know when this is coming out. It should be this Sunday. All right, no worries. Yeah. But thanks All for right. coming on and sharing. It was a nice to have yeah. a conversation with you. I need a haircut. Look at this. You need to grow your hair back again. Yeah, maybe I do. Yeah. Maybe I do. But I have to go through that koala stage. <laughs> when winter's coming, it's a good time to wear a hat, you know, and just let it grow out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I will. I have to go through that fucking fuzzy stage. <laughs> maybe I will grow it back. It's an idea. About, there's something about hair and electricity, you know. So anything that picks up static. So I think with the amount of technology we have, so there's something to do with keeping your hair. I think, and so many cultures, you know, it's a, you cut the hair to cause shame, especially for the males, more for males than females. Native Indians say it's what links them to their intuition. They said that when the Westerners come, they'd cut their hair off so they'd lose their intuition. I heard about stuff like that. So, it picks up. So maybe who knows? Grow it back and see if yeah. you feel the difference. I'll give it a go. <laughs> All right, brother. Um, no worries. Great to chat to you. And um, yeah, have a beautiful day. Yeah, you too. And See you, mate. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Selfish Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, share and leave a review if you can. It really helps other people find the content. And if you gain something from this, maybe someone else will too. I truly appreciate you being here. I'm grateful for every single one of you. You inspire me to continue to create content on YouTube, podcasts, and as many platforms as I can online. So thank you so much. Big thank you to my patrons out there. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be online. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com 
forward slash Luke Greenheart. All the links will be in the description. And don't forget, you can get my free copy of my book, The Self, Who Am I? Which gives clarity to identity and direction to your purpose through beautiful insights and perception. So go check that out. You can get it free at lukegreenheart.com forward slash free. Remember, links in the description. It's also available as a paperback on Amazon. Have a beautiful day. Truly appreciate you. Love life. Love yourself. Love others. Thank you again for being here.